This message was presented at the GYC 2010 No Turning Back Conference in Baltimore, Maryland. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Good afternoon again, everyone. <clears throat> Welcome to the last presentation in Devoted to Devotions, a Bible and devotional life for the last days. I hope you've been enjoying the, the, uh, the messages as, as you've been here. How many have been here the whole time? The faithful ones. Oh, wow. Praise God. Y'all stuck through it. We appreciate you being here. And uh, we obviously know there's lots of wonderful things that could be, you've been going through. But uh, if, you, and if you haven't caught some of these messages, I, I encourage you to go to Audioverse. Amen? Praise God for Audioverse. Amen. Amen. We can go back and get all these messages and be blessed throughout the year. Um, this message is going to be a shorter message than the others. We're going to have a little question and answer afterwards. So if you'd like to, uh, if you can, have been thinking about any questions, um, go ahead and write them down, and we're going to answer those questions. Uh, we've been going through and understanding uh, more about our devotional experience, what that really means, not simply a life or a devotional life, uh, simply time with God in the morning, but really being more of a life of devotion, amen? Constantly living a life of devotion to God. And uh, we talked last time about the... The foundation, amen? We need to have a firm foundation in who Christ is and revelation of his character, amen? We want to know God more. And now we're going to talk about, uh, I believe, a key, a key thing in understanding our devotional life and being able to see our, our, our devotional life or our life of a devotion in practice, the evidence or the process. How does God relate with us in this process, amen? Because our devotions are designed to get us to where we are devoted to God, not only that, but also to get us to where we are like Jesus, amen? amen, to the perfect character of Christ. And so, how many of you are there? Do you want to get there, amen? amen. So we've got to understand how God relates to us in the process of getting there to where God desires us to be. So let's go ahead and pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, once again that we can be here and that we can hear your word. Lord, it's not me. Lord, I have nothing good within myself, Father, but we desire Jesus. Lord, we would see Jesus. Show us Jesus. And as we see Christ, Lord, everything else will be just falling into line. All the doctrines, all these things we'll see more clearly if we can see Christ first. So let us see a picture of him. Let us see how he relates to us in this process of becoming like you in our devotional life and uh, maybe become more like you as a result, Father. We thank you and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go straight into the Word of God. Let's go back. Let's go to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to see an interesting story about this uh, surrendering and, and, and what we're surrendering to and um, what this process looks like. And really, this is kind of a continuation of the last message that we were talking about, the revelation of who God is and, and his character. And in, in, in Matthew chapter 16... Jesus asked a question. He's posing a question to his disciples. And this, is a, this question is of, of, of vital importance. When we all get to Matthew 16, verse 13, let's say amen. Everyone's there. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> verse 13 says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men, what? Say that I am. You know, I, there's a lot of talk about me in the streets. There's a lot of talk about me in the synagogues. Who are people saying I am? 
You know, it's kind of funny. How, sometimes we're, we're interested in, in what people think of us, amen? <laughs> sometimes we are. But Christ is asking a different question here as far as who people are saying that he is. Who do people think I am? And they answer. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So that's what they say. They say yeah, you may be Elijah, you may be a prophet raised from the dead, uh, you're a great teacher. This is what people are saying. Then he asks them the question in verse 15. But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are what? The Christ, the son of the what? The living God. You are the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah that was promised from years past. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, is that important for us to understand that? Is it, is it important for us to believe that Christ is the Messiah, the, the living God, and believe in him? That's, 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 that's very foundational. So he asked him that question, and that question is very important, and he says yes. And look at, look at Christ's response to that question, or that, that answer. Look at the response in verse 17. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for what? Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So he had a revelation from the Lord himself. It wasn't just something that he thought up in his mind, but he had received this from the Lord. Continuing on. Verse 18. And I also say unto you that you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the what? The key of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in, he in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Peter, I mean, Christ has come to him after, after giving this, 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 this little sentence about what he is. You are the Christ. You are the Son of God. After that, he's like, whoa, you have received that from above. That is not from flesh. That's from above. Now, that statement is very important. Actually, there's a quote about that I want to show you right now, about how important that statement really is. Look at this. Desire of Ages, page 413. Peter had expressed the truth, which is what? the foundation of the church's faith. And Jesus now honored him as the representative of the whole body of believers. Now, of course, we know from this text, like we can, we can explain it later, about how Christ, Peter's not, not the rock, amen? Christ is the rock, amen? So he was going to, uh, we're built on Christ, and Christ is just simply, or Peter was just simply a representative of Christ. But this, 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 this simple word, uh, you are the Christ, the Son of God, it's like he knew who he was, amen? He knew who Jesus was, a correct answer that was revealed to him from above. Now, last time we talked about how we need to have a correct conception of who Christ is, and that being the foundation. Paul, I mean Peter, excuse me, according to this, had an understanding, right? Did he understand him? Did he understand the character of God? Huh. Did he? See, oftentimes in our, in our, in our devotional lives, we have these ups and downs, amen? Have you ever experienced that before? You have, you know, at times you have this amazing experience with God. You'll be in the Word of God and things are being revealed to you day after day. And then at other times when it just seems like, oh, man, nothing's there. And so is Peter really seeing who God is? Does he really know God? Look at this. This will answer that question. The next page. The people and even the disciples, 
had so false a conception of the Messiah that a public announcement of him would give them no true idea of his character or of his work. But day by day, he was revealing himself to them as the Savior, and thus he desired to give the true conception of what? Of him as the Messiah. So after he expressed this, he told them, don't tell anyone this. Keep this on the low. Why? Because even though they said they knew him, even though, Christ said, even though Paul, Peter said that you are the, the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he knew that they really didn't know him. He knew that they were holding within themselves a false conception of who Christ was. And so he said, don't tell anyone this because you'll give the, the wrong impression. Because Christ knew what was in his heart. If you look in the book of, of, of John chapter 2, you'll see that, that there, there's people there. And they're saying, oh, we commit ourselves to Christ. But Christ could not commit himself to them because they did not. He knew, he knew the hearts of, of men. So he's saying, you, you really don't know who I am. You really don't know me. And, but, but, but what I love about Jesus is how... how even in that, he tells us what we need, and, and, and not only tells us what we need, but he, he gives us what we need. Amen? He bestows it on to us. Because he told them even further how blind they were, how, how in darkness they were because of, of, of something. Go to this chapter, Mark chapter 8, verse 14, on the screen. Blind disciples. That, that quote just told us that, that, that even the disciples were blind. Even the disciples did not have a correct conception of who Christ was. Now, did, did, the, did the disciples spend a lot of time with Jesus? They spent a lot of time with Jesus. But look what Christ says to them. In Mark chapter 8 and verse 14. When you get there, say amen. Amen. I'm not there yet. Okay. Verse 14 says, Now the disciples had forgotten to take what? Bread. And they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of who? Herod. And they, and they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. He's like, Oh, Christ is rebuking us because we, we forgot the bread. <laughs> oh, silly disciples. What does it say in verse 17? But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not what? Do you not perceive? Nor understand. Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you see? Do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said to him, 12. Verse 20. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. And he said to them, how is it that you do not, what? Understand. I mean, can you, can you understand Christ's point of view here? I mean, I, I've shown you these things before. I've revealed myself to you. I, I've made a plain about bread. I can provide bread for you if you need bread. Amen? If you need bread, I, I, that's not a problem for me. So why are you wondering in your heart, why is it that you are still blind and you do not understand? You do not have a, 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 a re, you don't have the the ability to understand who I really am and what I'm coming to do, what I'm speaking to you, what I'm talking about. Their eyes were blinded. Even though they were in the presence of Jesus. And if you remember what we read before, in the book of um, when Peter, when Peter was, was, was confessing Christ, he, he professed to know who Christ was, right? 
But what did he ultimately end up doing later on? How many times? Three times. He denied him three times. Even though he was in the presence of God, he, he confessed it in front, of the, in front of all of his Christians. You know how easy it is to confess Christ in this kind of environment? GYC, right? We're all believers in Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But how about when we get out there? Let's turn, let's, let's look at that. Let's examine that and see exactly what happened to Paul, I mean to Peter there. Let's go to Luke 22. Luke 22. Because I, I, I want to be able to proclaim Christ, amen, unashamedly, no matter who's around me. What happened to Peter? Why wasn't Peter able to confess Christ when it came to the crisis hour? Because I believe we're living in, in the crisis hour, amen, of these last days. And in order to be ready to stand in these last days, this crisis hour, we must be able to say that we know Jesus in that, in that very hard situation. What happened to Paul? I mean, to Peter. Excuse me. What happened to Peter? Luke 22, verse 54. Let's read the account quickly. Having arrested him, talking about Jesus, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a what? He was keeping himself away. Now when he had kindled, or when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him, he, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. She recognized him. But what did Peter say? But he denied him, saying, Woman, I don't know. I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You, are, you also are, are, are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. You can imagine Peter being incredulous as, he, as he's saying these things. Then after about the, the, an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed saying, Surely this fellow also is with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately when he was still speaking, the what? The rooster crowed. So we see here that, that, that he denied Christ three times just as he had, this is Christ said, had told him he was going to do. And, and, and Peter was the most bold, the most arrogant, the most like, no, Christ, if everyone else denies you, I will not deny you. I will go to the cross with you. I will die with you. He had a big mouth, didn't he? But his actions did not fit his words. He was not truly surrendered to the Lord Jesus. He did not have a true devotional life. He was a, a Christian when it was okay, when he was with his group, his people. But when he got outside, he was not. He was different. When it came to the crisis, beloved. In these last days, we're all going to have to stand for ourselves. Amen? We're not going to be having to have our family, our friends, our, our relatives. We're going to stand by ourselves. And the question is, what will we say? Do we know Jesus? How precious is he to us? So Peter, 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 Peter had heard from Christ that this was going to happen. Satan wants to do what with him? He wants to sift you as wheat, Peter. But guess what? I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. And when you're converted, then you go and strengthen the brethren. When you're converted. So, so, so Peter has these things going through his mind. He's just denied the Lord Jesus for, for three times, and he hears the, 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 the rooster crow. And then what happens? Look at the verse. It says, verse 61, And the Lord, who, who turned? The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, 
how he had said, before the rooster crows, he will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept, what? Bitterly. Can you imagine that, looking at, at the Savior? You've denied him three times, just like he said. And the Savior turns his face from the, from the frowns of the, of, the, of the Sanhedrin, and he turns his face and looks right at Peter. Jesus, in, in, in one of his most agonizing times ever, looking for any kind of support that he can get, looks at Peter, who has denied him three times. And Peter just begins to weep. Beloved, I believe we need to look more deeply into the face of Christ. Amen? What did Peter do? Let's go to the spirit of prophecy, the magnifying glass, and see what happened here. Desire of Ages, page 413. Sorry, 713. <laughs> While the degrading oaths were fresh upon Peter's lips, and the shrill crowning, uh, or the, I'm sorry, I'm sorry the, the shrill crowing of the crop was still ringing in his ear, the Savior turned from the frowning judges and looked full upon his poor disciple. At the same time, Peter's eyes were drawn. They were what? They were drawn to his master. In that gentle countenance, he read deep what? Pity. And sorrow. But there was no anger there. The sight of that pale, suffering face, those quivering lips that took the, 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 that look, that what? That, the look of Jesus, the look of compassion and forgiveness pierced his heart like an arrow. And conscience was aroused. You see, we need to have this kind of experience because we can say that we've had an experience with Christ. And, and to the point where we've, we've, we've been in the world, we've been studying, but, 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 but we come to this point where we, we, we confess Christ. And Christ is, 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 is you know, giving us all these, you know, yes, you will, you, you, you've been revealed to this. I mean, this has been revealed to you, not from flesh and blood, but from, from the Father. But after that happens, this happens. He denies him. And it was this look, this look at Christ as he saw as he saw that he was not able to, in his own power, keep his word. Amen? As he, as he realized that what he said, he could not, that he could not keep his word. And he looked at Christ. His heart was changed. His heart was changed. You know, God works with us in a process. Amen? It's not overnight. Surrender doesn't happen like this. Amen? Does it? I mean, does it? It's hard, beloved. And Peter is a prime example of someone that, that, that was striving, trying to serve Christ, trying to, to live his life for him, very bold for him. But when it came to the crisis hour, he could not withstand the test because he couldn't surrender. He hadn't learned surrender. But you know what? Jesus is so powerful because even before things happen, Christ tells his disciples they will happen. You remember the, what we read before about how in, in Mark chapter 8, where what, what, what did God tell the disciples? Remember? Mark 8. We just read it. As they're talking about the leaven of the Pharisees and, and, and the disciples were what? They were blind, right? They couldn't see. You can't perceive. You can't understand. You can't see these things. But you know what Christ did right after that? After he told them that? Let's go back to, the, to Mark and show them. He, he, I mean, imagine, like, imagine, imagine Christ telling you, you know, you're blind. What's wrong with you? You can't understand. You don't understand what's going on. How do you feel? <laughs> Mercy. Father, help me. You know? So what did Christ do to encourage them after that? Let's go back to Mark 8. 
And we're going to look at verse 22. Jesus healed someone in an acted parable to show the disciples something. The blind man healed at, at, at Bethsaida. Verse 22. Are we all there? Amen? The Bible says, Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a what? A blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took what? The blind man by the what? By the hand. You know, I love how Christ just takes us, with, by, takes us by the hand. Amen? He doesn't just leave us. He just takes us by takes us by the hand, giving the disciples this illustration. He took him by the hand and led him out of the town. You know, sometimes in town there can be distractions, amen? There can be things going on that, that kind of confuse our minds and, and, and keep us from understanding our real purpose, our, our spiritual blindness. He took him by the hand and took him out of the city, out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. So Christ puts the, the spit on his hands and he puts it on his eyes, slaps it on. And he asked him, what do you see? And what, what did he see? I see men like trees walking. Could he see clearly? Had Christ touched his eyes? Had Christ spit on his hands and, and, and put his own hands on his eyes? But he couldn't see clearly? What's it go on to say? Verse 25. Then he put his hands on his eyes, what? Again. And made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. You know, I believe that, that, that Jesus was teaching the disciples a very important lesson with this healing. Amen. He just told them, you are blind, you can't see, you don't understand anything. What is wrong? You've been with me all this time. And you don't understand this stuff? I've shown you miracles, raining bread from heaven. But then he shows them, you know what, disciples? I have you by the hand. I'm drawing you out of this world. I'm drawing you out. And I'm holding your hand, and I'm putting my hands on your eyes. And yes, I know at the first time, you know, you're not quite seeing clearly yet. You're not quite seeing everything as I want you to see it. But guess what? I'm going to keep on holding your hand. You're still in my hand. And you're going to see, you're going to soon see clearly. You're going to see clearly. You see, Jesus was illustrating and encouraging the disciples by showing them that it is a process. Amen? It doesn't always happen instantly. We, we We don't... instantly become perfect. Yes, Christ's blood can cover us instantaneously, right? Amen? His blood covers us, and, 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 and the Father sees us as if Christ was in our stead. But the transformation of our characters and, and becoming into this perfect character of Christ and, and reaching the, the, the top of that ladder in Second Peter is a process. And God is holding our hands through that process, amen? Of seeing more clearly. Turn with me to your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. You know, Jesus fulfilled this prophecy that, he, that was spoken of. In Isaiah 42, the Lord would not leave us. He would walk with us through the process. Sometimes our, our devotional lives is not what it should be. And, and what God is trying to say to us is even when it's not, hang on. Hang on to me. Isaiah 42, verse 6. Isaiah 42, verse 6. When you get there, say amen. The Bible says, I, the Lord, have what? Called you in righteousness. I will what? I will hold your hands. I will keep you 
and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles. To do what? To open blind eyes. To bring out the prisoners from the prison. Those who sit in what? Darkness into, out of the prison house. So Christ is saying, I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to give you light. I'm going to bring your light. I'm going to let your light shine. Just hold on. Just keep on holding on to me. It, does not, it might not happen instantaneously. You might say you believe in me and then fall like Peter did. But hold on. Hold on. I will be with you. Look at verse 16. Look at verse 16. I will bring the blind in what? Ways that they know not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make what? Darkness light before them and the crooked things straight. These things I would do for them and what? And not forsake them. Amen? Christ is a God that will not forsake us no matter how down we are, no matter how much we, we feel like our devotional life is terrible. Christ will not forsake us. He's there to point us once again to the Father and show us that he has not forsaken us and he will make us perfect. Amen? That's what he's going to do. And that's what he did for Peter and he wants to do it for us as well. Turn with me to the book of John. We're going to see Peter and what happened after that experience of rejecting and denying Christ. John 21 and verse 15. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say amen. A few of you are not there. Okay. We'll wait for you. John 21, verse 15. Are we all there? The Bible says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than what? Than these. And he said to him, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. Verse 16. Then he said to him again, a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Three times, three times Peter denied his Lord. And three times Peter was asked the question, do you love me? And he said, yes, I do. Look at the next verse. Most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, when you were a babe, when you were a little kid, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. You did your own thing, Peter. You went wherever you wanted to go. You did your own thing when you were younger. When you were young in the faith, you did what you wanted to do. But look now. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. You see, with Peter, it was an issue of surrendering to Jesus. It was an issue of not being able to depend upon himself. Not being self-confident and self-sufficient, but having a sufficiency in the Lord Jesus. Amen? I believe at times we, we, we have too much confidence in our own spiritual experience. And I, I think it's demonstrated in the fact that we are so complacent at times. We think we're okay. We think we're all right. The Laodicean message, but we are truly blind. Amen? 
And Peter had to understand that he was blind. Peter had to understand that he couldn't see, that he couldn't do it himself before he could truly come into a relationship and a commitment to Christ. And the same is true with us. We must understand our brokenness. We must understand what we're doing to Christ. As Peter looked in the face of Jesus, he saw and he knew it. And he confessed his life to Jesus. So the question is, how do we surrender? How do we surrender? You know, people used to tell me when I was younger, when I was around, you know, 14, 15, I was trying to come to God, trying to give my life to God. You know, people always said, you got to die to self, man. Surrender to God. I would hear it all the time in church. You got to surrender to God. Just give your life to him. You know, die to self. Die to self. Surrender. I didn't know what it meant. What does surrender mean? How would we surrender to God? How did Peter surrender to God? Peter at one time was self-sufficient. He thought he could do it himself. But when he put his trust in the Lord, that's how he surrendered. And you know, this, I, yeah, I, love, I, love, I love reading the spirit of prophecy. Amen? How about you guys? It's a blessing. It's a blessing. Not, not, it's not to take the place of the Bible, but to lead us closer to the Bible and help us understand it. And so this question she addressed in Steps to Christ. If you haven't read the book yet, Please pick it up and read it. It's a blessing. Many are what? Inquiring. How am I to make a surrender of myself to who? To God. How am I going to do it? How am I going to surrender myself to God? How is it going to happen? How can I give myself to God? You desire to give yourself to him. How many of you desire to give yourself to him? Amen? You desire to give yourself to him. But you are weak in what? Moral power. In slavery to, to doubt. And controlled by the habits of your life of sin. Haven't you been there before? You want to give your life to God. You want to surrender to him. You want to give your will to him, but you're weak in moral power. You're in slavery to doubt, controlled by your habits of your sinful life. Your promises and your resolutions are like ropes of sand. You make promise after promise. I'm going to do this, Lord. I'm going to get up at 3 o'clock and, and pray every day. I'm going to read the Bible for two hours a day, Lord. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and you don't do it. And, 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 and your promises and resolutions are just like ropes of sand, like nothing. You cannot control your thoughts, your impulses, your affections. The knowledge of your broken promises and forfeited pledges weakens your confidence in your own sincerity and causes you to feel that God cannot what? Accept you. But what? But you need not despair. Amen? Even when you see you're, you're morally weak, you're, you're, you're frail, you're, you're sinful, you're controlled by the habits of sin, you need not despair. Why? Everything depends on the right action of what? The will. Will you give your will to Jesus? Say, Lord, I can't control myself. I can't control my thoughts. I can't control anything. Lord, allow me to be born again and I give you my life. Everything. I have no desire for you right now, but Lord, I want to have a desire. Put it within me. I can't put it within myself. That's surrender. Amen? Page 64. There are those who have known the what? Pardoning love of Jesus Christ. Who, realize, who really desire to be what? Do you desire that? Amen. I desire to be a child of God. Yet they realize that they are what? Their character is what? Imperfect. Their life faulty. And they are ready to doubt whether their hearts have ever been renewed by the Holy Spirit. 
To such I would say what? Do not draw back in despair. We shall often have to bow down and weep at the feet of Jesus because of our shortcomings and mistakes, but we are not to be discouraged. Even if we are overcome by the enemy, we are not cast off, not forsaken, and rejected of God. And she has, she has a little emphasis right there. No, it's not going to happen. Don't be discouraged. Don't get cast down. God is still there. He will not forsake you. He will lead the blind in ways they know not. Even though you may not see clearly right now, I'm going to make it so you see clearly soon. Just keep on holding on to my hand. Keep on walking with me in my hand. You might fall, but I'm going to pick you up. Hold my hand and spend time with me. The key to devotions is to keep on getting up. Amen? To keep on striving. Saying, Lord, I, I, don't under, I don't really understand it, but Lord, show me, please. And if you don't understand it, go back to the next day and say, Lord, I still don't understand, but please show me, Lord. Keep on allowing yourself to say, Lord, I, 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 I want to know you. Please allow me to see your precious character. Allow me to see who you are. And will God do it? Is God faithful to his promise? Yes, he will do it, blood. The key is surrender, and surrender takes place when we give our will to him, even if we don't feel it. We cannot trust our feelings, amen? We may feel discouraged. We may feel cast down. We may feel that we cannot be accepted of God. But Christ says you cannot trust your feelings. You must have faith in me. You know, when Christ was going to the cross, when he went to the cross, he did not feel like going on the cross, amen? He did not feel like drinking that bitter cup that was given to him in Gethsemane. Three times, in fact, he asked the Father, if it be thy will that this cup passes from me, please, Lord, but if not, thy will be done. And you know what pushed him to the cross? You know what drove the Savior to the cross? In Desire of Ages, go back, go back and, and read the, cap, the chapter on Gethsemane. It says basically, basically, that he saw a vision of us. There in the garden, praying and agonizing with God, he saw lost humanity. He saw you and he saw me and he said, it's, it's worth it. Whatever it costs myself, I'm going to die for my people. He saw us. And what he, he, he will never, beloved, he will, if, you, if you know Jesus, he will never forsake you. Amen? Do not be discouraged. If your devotional life is not what it should be, do not be discouraged. Keep on pressing on. Keep on saying, Lord, show me. Lord, give me what I do not have. And God will do it. Amen? Listen to this. With the rich promises of the Bible before you, can you give place to doubt? Can you believe that when the poor sinner longs to return, longs to forsake his sin, the Lord sternly withholds from him coming to his feet in repentance? Away with such thoughts. Nothing can hurt your soul or your own soul more than to entertain such a conception of your heavenly Father. You see that word? Nothing. This, this is worse than any the temptation of Satan, any, any, anything like that. This is the worst thing that can happen to your soul, is for you to think of God like that, that he will not receive you, that you've done something too bad, too evil, too wrong, too sinful to be accepted by God. That's the worst thing you can do. And oftentimes our devotional life is so affected by how we are living our lives. We feel like we're not worthy to go into God's presence. We're not worthy to spend time with him or to be at his feet or even to pray to him. We don't feel worthy. But God is saying, no, nothing can hurt you more than thinking you cannot come to me. Come to me, my son, my daughter. Come now. Come as soon as you possibly can because I want to give you true eyesight. Amen? God's desire to give you his lay to see in church this eyesight, this eyesight of the spirit, having us not trust ourselves but trust in the Lord Jesus Christ.
as we do that, he will give us the power and the efficiency to preach like Peter preached. Amen? Peter's life was a, life, was a process. His devotional life was not always strong. It wasn't always powerful. He rejected his Savior, but yes, God reinstated him. He gave him a new life, a new character, and he was able to preach with power and bring many souls to Jesus. Amen? How many of you want to bring souls to Christ? How many of you want to, despite what you feel, have a deeper devotional life? How many of you say, no matter what I feel, no matter how discouraged I am, no matter how much I can't understand the word of God, I'm going to press on. No matter what. Amen? When it gets tough, when it gets hard, when it gets confusing, when it gets, when it gets busy, I'm going to press on, I'm going to plead with Christ and claim his promise and trust his word. You want to do that? That's the key, beloved. Christ has given us the promise. He will hold our hand, and the only one that lets go is us. We just keep on holding his hand, and he'll give us the light. He'll lead us all the way into the pearly gates of eternity, amen, through devotion. I want to see Christ come. I really want to see Jesus come. I don't want to be here much longer. And I believe that Christ doesn't want us to be here much longer either. But it all depends. It all depends on us surrendering our will to him and saying, Lord, no matter what, no matter what comes, no matter what is in my way, I'm going to give my life to you. No matter how I feel, no matter what happened in the past, no matter what's happening, what's happening even right now, I'm going to give my life to you right now and for eternity, every single day, every single morning, I'm going to commit myself to you. And if, if, I, if, I, if I fall off, Lord, I'm going to come back to you. I'm not going to stay down. The Bible says the just man falls seven times and gets back what? Gets back up, but the, 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 the wicked man falls and does not get back up. We're going to stay up with Christ. We're going to behold the cross. And as we behold the cross, we will not lose our way. Amen? One more thing. Paul, you know Paul was devoted, amen? Powerful cat. But she says in the spirit of prophecy that at times he would lose his fervor. At times he would lose his determination. At times he would lose his enthusiasm. But one glimpse at the cross. One what? One glimpse at the cross and it would refire him and rekindle him and re-inspire him to go out and do the work. I can get the quote for you later. So how many of you want to look to Jesus? And not just look to him like the cliche, like we say all the time, but really seek after him. Desire to know him. And no matter what comes in our way, no matter what comes in our, in our path, say, Lord, I'm going to give my life. That's it right there, beloved. That's it right there. I hope you've been blessed as we've studied. We're going to have a little question and answer. But before we do, I really want to consecrate ourselves to the Lord. Amen? I mean, we can come to these conferences. We can come to these seminars. We can do all these things and, and, and just go home and be the same. But I want, I, want to be, I want to be different, amen? I want to have a change. I want to see Christ more clearly. So I want to ask you if you want to consecrate yourself today, not before Westney, not before anyone else, but before God, and say, Lord, I'm going to seek you. I want to see your face. I want to be like you. No matter what comes my way, I want you to stand. And we're going to pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. We thank you for the foundation that has been laid, which is Christ. We thank you that we can look to him for salvation and, and that he holds our hand and, and that he takes the scales off of our eyes. Maybe, Lord, please, maybe, Lord, 
I can't even express the words, Lord, please transform our wicked characters, Lord. Make us like Jesus, Lord. We're not like him, but make us like him, Father. We thank you for we know that you will do it, Lord. You've promised you will. We believe your word, Father. Help us to trust it more fully, we pray. In the name of Jesus and for sake. Amen. This message was produced by GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. GYC seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians in contemporary contexts. To download or purchase other resources like this, or if you have been blessed by GYC and would like to donate, visit gycweb.org or email info at gycweb.org. You could also reach us via mail at P.O. Box 3786 Ann Arbor, Michigan 48106. This recording is licensed under Creative Commons. This means you can copy and share it with anyone you like. Please attribute this recording to GYC wherever you reuse it, and keep in mind that resale and alteration are strictly prohibited.